0: This is the Doctor Who Podcast, and you are most welcome.
1: In this episode of the Doctor Who Podcast, the 1st of 2014, the future, we'll be taking a look at the past and seeing whether we got any of the predictions from last year correct.
2: Yes, hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Doctor Who podcast. It's our first regular podcast of 2014. I'm joined by a brand new collection of campervan companions. as as I keep on calling people that, I probably shouldn't. But uh, hello, Leeson, Stephen and Michelle. Happy New Year to you. Happy Happy New New Year. Year.
3: Hey, hey, Will there be a
2: debate over what constitutes a campervan companion? I think you've got to turn up for at least two episodes concurrently, that's (laughs) Leeson out. Um yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what other criteria should there be? I have no idea.
4: Vaguely witty. <laughs> I
2: can do I can do the uh I can do the vaguely bit. In an extremely witty fashion, but uh, <laughs> I think we should probably introduce the conceit of this particular episode. And it's I think about the third or fourth one we've done now. Maybe maybe the third of I've, I've lost count. This is our annual episode where we make Forecasts, predictions, well, guesses basically about what might happen in the coming 12 months. And that might be within the fiction of the show itself. So, a story twist or something, we try and look incredibly clever uh, by predicting 12 months in advance or something about, you know, uh, the show's production, someone leaving perhaps or something totally disconnected with the main show itself. But before we get into talking about what we think may or may not happen this year. This is the fun bit. We're going to go back 12 months. Leeson, do you remember this? When we were sitting down with, with Trevor... Yes.
1: Yeah, Trevor's not here anymore. No one predicted that. No.
3: You did make a joke about whether or not there would be any new denizens of the camper van because it was Le- because it was Leeson's uh, one year anniversary. Oh, does that mean oh, this
2: yes. is his second
1: anniversary? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. That's right. I'm no longer the new boy. No,
2: not indeed. And yet Stephen's still done more episodes than you, Leeson. <laughs> <laughs> Qu- quality, not quantity. We've already established that we don't offer either of those on the show. <laughs> but- <laughs> Let's crank that handle back twelve months, and we're going to hear what Trevor's first prediction was for two thousand and thirteen.
0: We are going to see the Paul McGann Christopher Eccleston regeneration (laughs) on screen.
3: (laughs) So, uh, does Trevor get a half point for this? Because no, no, (laughs) he did. He did. We did see a Paul McGann regeneration on screen this year, right? Which was. We did, but not, not into no, Christopher Eccleston. But we didn't know at that point that he wasn't going to regenerate into Christopher Eccleston.
2: I, I think Trevor's prediction was particularly detailed. It was, it was quite precise. It was going to be from Paul McGann into Christopher Eccleston. We didn't get that. We, we saw Paul McGann regenerating, and we also saw John Hurt regenerating into someone with big ears. Who we can assume is Christopher Eccleston's doctor. So I would still say he was in the right ballpark, but
1: still struck right. out zero points i think I think Trevor would be the first to to agree with that uh, uh, he would, <laughs> He would pick himself up on the technicality <laughs> sure, <I'm> sure
3: sure <laughs> yes <laughs> he would
4: He would have to be here to defend himself, so no points for Trev, although you know a little bit of maybe kudos points for uh At least thinking in terms of regenerations, but no real points.
2: I love the fact that Trevor was thinking along the same lines as at least Stephen Moffat. He was thinking about, well, could I do this? And I have absolutely no doubt had Christopher Eccleston been able to be persuaded to come back, even if it was for the 50th anniversary, they would have used the time he had on set to record a regeneration. I'm Mm. I'm absolutely certain of that. So at, at least Trevor was thinking along the right lines.
4: Well, the next one we get to put Leeson in the hot seat because uh, now we get to hear what Leeson thought a year ago might happen.
1: Christopher Eccleston will return for the fiftieth. Uh, this sort of sets the tone for for my uh, predictions last year. They, they were they tended to be more aspirational than um, than
2: feasible. Well, by aspirational you mean wrong. <laughs>
1: Um, well, I was being hopeful and optimistic
2: <laughs> I remember this at the time but I haven't gone back and listened to the entirety of our um, 2013 predictions but I seem to remember that you were, yeah, you were aspirational and you were hopeful and I think we all agreed and we shared your desire to see Christopher Eccleston return but I don't think anyone really believed it would happen did they?
1: I did <laughs> I did, I mean I'm a, I'm a hopeless, I am a hopeless optimist Well I was back in the 2013, uh, 2014 the future uh, And now I'm coming to look back at all the mistakes I've made uh, I've I, I become a bit more a bit more a pef-
2: pessimist So how disappointed were you then when it transpired he wasn't going to be coming back?
1: It, it's funny, I, 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 I was a little bit disappointed but, uh, but I wasn't shocked at all I kind of hoped that that there was a God but uh, I'm but not going to
3: lie. I w- I was still hopeful right up until uh they they cut away on on John Hurt's regeneration. Like I really really thought mm. that we were going to get mm. <laughs> just a couple seconds cuz it wouldn't have been mm. much for him to film just a couple seconds cameo just to show up and so I am I'm, I'm with you Lisa and I really really thought it was going to happen even though you know, my heart said it wasn't when I was sitting there in the th- in, the, in the excuse me cinema, I almost said theater. <laughs> uh, I thought it was going to happen, so
1: I was, I was the same, and no doubt many others were. Uh, I, was, I was thinking it, we're going to get it we're going to get it, and we yeah, almost yeah. did, and then we didn't, but then we got straight afterwards we got, we got Tom Baker, and I wonder whether that was a conscious decision on Moffat's part that everybody's going to be wishing for it, and at that point they're going to be a little bit deflated, so let's then give them. Tom
2: Baker. I'd have traded Tom Baker for Christopher Eccleston. Yeah, yeah. If,
1: if, if it was if it was trading cards, then yeah, a Baker yeah. would beat an Eccleston,
2: wouldn't he? No, I, I think so, definitely. But we we did get Eccleston in the Day of the Doctor. I think there's at least a, a shot of him. I think he may even be saying mm. something. He, he does say yeah. he does say from from a next trick. It's a it's
3: it's reused footage. You see his eyes when John Hurt regenerates. I have a freeze frame of it. It's very much <laughs> Eccleston.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I remember people at the time debating whether or not you know, it was supposed to be Eccleston or whether or not it was still up for debate as to whether he was going to regenerate into another unseen doctor. But for me, sitting in the BFI, uh, of course, with, with you, Michelle, there was no doubt in my mind that was supposed to be Eccleston because there was a collective, would it cut away?
4: <laughs> in, indeed. So, Lisa, and the lesson is that if you had said the ninth Doctor will appear in the fiftieth. We might have given you uh, some credit, but uh, oh. but but as you as you say, it's a harsh world.
1: <laughs> yeah, and this is what I mean about twenty fourteen. It's it's got off to a really bad start.
2: <laughs> okay, right. Let's move on and hear our. Oh, this is me, isn't it? This this is my first prediction of two thousand and thirteen. I'm going to predict that we will see the classic TARDIS console in a new episode of Doctor Who in two thousand and thirteen. No, I think i get a point for that. Uh, wh- when did we see a classic console? John Hurt's TARDIS. No.
1: It's
3: basically Eccleston's TARDIS, but a little bit newer. In fact, they use the same set. No. No, he's nothing it is. Like it's got it. nothing like, the, like the, it. The, the, uh, the, the console, the, the center console, is almost exactly the same. Oh, okay. Ugh,
2: okay. I suppose I did say TARDIS console, didn't I? You did, yes. If you'd said if you said roundels, yeah, it would have been all right.
4: Uh, well, I, I have to admit, I meant to go back and rewatch this and didn't have the chance. When all of the Doctors show up in their TARDISes to to aid in the defence. Did we see any of the doctors at their TARDIS consoles?
2: I think we saw them in little roundels, you know, CGI roundels mm. with their face, and they happened to be in the TARDIS.
4: What about uh, name of the Doctor when Clara was going back and assisting all the Doctors? Anything there?
2: I, I appreciate you digging <laughs> deep here, um, but yeah. I, I, I don't, <laughs> I, I, I don't think so. In all fairness, the reason why I made that prediction was because I was pretty certain that they wouldn't invest a whole load of money redesigning or building a brand new TARDIS for an adventure in space and time and not use it in either Day of the Doctor or Time of the Doctor, as it turned out, a Christmas special. But they Mm. did. (laughs) They did. It's... It's plywood and paint, really.
3: And, and considering how much it was used in Adventure in Space and Time, I'm sure it wasn't a huge part of the budget. So, And it's a great display piece in the Doctor Who experience. Um, it's it's so
2: beautiful up close. I mean, with all those lights flashing that actually worked this time, <laughs> and the amount of care that, that had to go into it uh, to, for it to look just right. And uh, I, I don't know, watching it in HD as well, it had to... It had to be vastly superior than just a lump of wood and a bit of paint. I, I, I think it was. Uh, I, I think it was a wonderful prop. I, I mean, irrespective of how much it cost, I, I would love to have seen it feature somewhere in the main show. Yeah.
1: It's, it, it seemed like a shoe in that one. I mean, I, I, I kicked myself when you came out with that one because I thought, I thought that was a, I thought we'd be sitting here now in in twenty fourteen and and you'd be. You'd be getting the balloons
2: out. Um. Well, I gave myself a little bit of a get out clause, frankly, as well, because I think I seem to remember saying it was Ian who gave me the idea. So Ian got <laughs> it wrong. So, oh, nice.
4: <laughs> We're cutthroat here in the camper van.
2: Anyway, so, so far then, what, what's our point status? We've all got zero, have we?
3: Uh yeah,
2: yeah we're um this is just like a DWP <laughs> quiz. <laughs>
4: no, no, TARDIS console, James, but plenty of zero room.
2: Oh. Oh. yes.
1: Well, let's see if we can't jettison some of that zero room
4: <laughs>
2: and talk about Trev again because it's his prediction that comes next.
0: We will not get an explanation for the exploding car. <laughs>
2: Now it's rather difficult to decide whether he got it right or wrong, isn't it? It's it's just a really grey area. Here. Wait, no, how's it grey? We got an explanation. <laughs> it was it was God. Kavarian blew it up. It
3: was her first attempt.
4: <laughs> that was irony, <laughs> Stephen. Oh, sorry,
3: I don't understand irony.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's a bit
3: like bronzy and silvery, but just made of iron. <laughs> but i because when 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 james questions the 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 tardis exploding the 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 answer for it i still don't think he fe- he's satisfied with the answer that's why <laughs>
2: <laughs> i i'm not dissatisfied <laughs> with it I, I, I do feel that it was really tacked on it it felt like those two lines of dialogue were in time of the doctor purely because moffat wanted to just keep this Small faction of fans quiet by saying, you know, yeah, all right, he has provided an explanation for it. I don't really think he had any intention of explaining it in the first place. I think he either forgot about it or um, he, he just thought, well, it's, you know, it's three and a half years ago. No one's going to remember. Well, no, he, said in, he said in DWM
3: he didn't understand why people kept asking that question because he thought it was obvious. And so he felt that he had to go in and answer it because he thought it was obvious. But other people kept clinging to that
2: question. Well, was it obvious? I mean, I remember you always advocated that an answer had been given for that, but it wasn't the answer that was given in time. No, it was. was it? I always thought it was the silence. But which silence? This was, uh, and I, I, I didn't think <laughs> it was obvious at all. And we still didn't really get a, a an explanation of, of who said "Silence will fall." Did we in the TARDIS in the Big Bang?
4: No, I never, I never Yeah, I don't that. know that
2: we got
3: an explanation for that either. But um. uh, So not all loose ends yeah. were tied up. I'm See, not... I was
1: hoping that, that, that it was Christopher Eccleston, but it, uh, I was disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> Although with ears like that, silence will never fall.
4: Speaking of disappointment, Leeson, do we want to go on to your next prediction? <laughs> oh, oh, oh.
1: oh, yes, go on then. Um, yeah, um, Low-hanging fruit that, uh, that uh, turned out to be wax, this one. We're going to see another Doctor Who spin-off, uh, and I think it will be a, a Paternoster spin-off.
2: I, I'm quite pleased you're wrong on, on, on this occasion. I think I, I don't think the Paternoster gang have got what it takes to carry an entire series, whether it's a children's series or um, a more adult theme. Um, I mean, clearly clearly you're not right, so there's no point.
1: There's <laughs> just no point. If, no,
2: there's no point. If there ever was going to be a spin-off, from the main show now i think this would be it
1: yeah i think i said i said at the time that it, it, it i think it would fill the the sarah jane void quite nicely because it's uh it's investigating uh interesting characters that, i mean but it's almost famous famous three
3: isn't it i i think it would as well and i think with the 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 recent uh, blue peter competition for their sonic gadgets i think that i i think there's still some hope there that it that it might happen but I'd hate mm. Stephen Moffat to spread himself thinner.
1: If we're going to be going, and all, all suggestions are that, that we are, going a little bit darker, a little bit more perhaps, perhaps adult, then maybe there is a there is a gap now for, for something that's a bit more sort of child-orientated.
2: I don't know. I mean, I think they could quite easily do it. But if you haven't watched Doctor Who, then how much of an introduction would you need to these individual characters? I mean, I, I have a feeling they would fall into this category that, that's so common within film. Now, I mean, do you remember back in the 80s when Arnold Schwarzenegger decided that he'd finished with all of these action hero films, he, you know, he was Commando, Total Recall, and he says, right, no, I'm now going to go into comedy. And I'm going to start appealing to, to younger children. And you kind of got films like Kindergarten Cop, and there were a few others as well, that were clearly aimed at a younger audience. But because Arnie was in them, there was there was also some kind of adult humour in there that was, was completely inappropriate. So as a result, you basically had a, a film that appealed to no one, no one particular audience. And I wonder whether or not the Paternoster gang would kind of be like that. I mean, the people within fandom who really like these characters generally champion the subtext in the writing and all of the subtleties that children would miss. So would you just drop all of that if you're going to put these characters into a uh, their, their own show? And Would they still maintain that interest? Are they interesting enough without all of the adult intrigue that uh, Moffat writes for them?
1: I think you'd have to keep. have to keep that because I think I think it's integral and uh, and it's all part of uh, bringing parents and children together around the telly. Uh, I've got a little kidly wink now. Uh, I watch some of the stuff that I used to watch when I was a kid, like Danger Mouse, for example. Now I know why my mum sat and watched it with me. It's 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 nice that you can be on two levels. It's, it's the Simpsons effect, isn't it? The Simpsons works on on so many levels, and I, I think this could too.
3: I think children's cartoons have always had little things thrown in for adults but i also think that a character like strax just has so much appeal to younger viewers i think i mean the the you know the comedy alien and stuff and I don't know.
4: I think it could work. Listeners, you ought to go back and listen to Doctor Who podcast episode number 183, the predictions episode from last year, because part of the fun is to hear how many predictions they predicted for 2012 that were wrong, <laughs> but came true. But then came true in 2013. I, I mean, I-, I think the guys may have been ahead of their time. So, Lisa, this may be one that you predicted for 2013, but yeah, may yet come true in 2014. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Essentially, it was a pitch.
4: Well, by my tally, you guys are zero for five so
2: far. <laughs> and
4: and there's only one last prediction to potentially save you. Uh, shall we listen to James's second prediction?
2: I think Mark Gates will be announced as the next executive Ooh. producer of Doctor Who. Well, James, it's it's kind of funny because...
3: Well, I went back and listened to the to the prediction episode from from last year to for, before we recorded this one, and uh, this was your, your this was your prediction. But everything else you said <laughs> was spot on about Matt Smith leaving. Oh, was it? Yeah, about ah. Matt Smith leaving, and about and actually about Gatiss having a hand in in selecting the next Doctor because he he is one of the reasons that Peter Capaldi got uh you know was considered. But yet, Gatiss being uh, announced as executive producer did not happen. So.
2: Not yet anyway. right <laughs> so, uh, and it 's very tempting just to try and roll that one on uh, to, to, to next year or until it happens, basically, but no i haven 't gone back to listen to the uh, to, to that actual episode, but I, I may well do now if if i got something right, then it might be worth my time actually coming back to to hear what I said, whether or not Mark Gatiss will actually take over, or not, I know he 's not a given I, I I think he um I think he will become. Either even more involved in the show than he is now, or he will become, you know, executive producer. Possibly not this year. Who knows? Because Moffat is showing absolutely no signs of giving up that role at all. I would no, say, no,
1: not at all. Yeah, he's, um, yeah, he's got a firm grasp on it. And, I, and I'm surprised. I was expecting him to sort of sort of fade out, but he's showing no signs. I mean, he's announcing series nine details, or, or that, that it's not going to be, or that there is going to be one, and it's not going to be split. So yeah, he certainly seems to have his eyes way off in the distance. Do you really mean season nine there? Have
2: I Mm -hmm. missed something? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Oh. wow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So season Mm -hmm. nine is confirmed. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I was going to have that as my prediction. Season nine. I've got that right. I've got a point already for next year. (laughs) Uh, Season nine is going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. Well, let's see if we can do any better this year. And uh, as we prepare to embarrass ourselves (laughs) again in 12 months' time when we come back and review this. Mm -hmm. So, we got two predictions each, as there's four of us this time. Who wants to go first? No one. No one. Go ahead, Michelle.
4: I'll be happy to go first i haven 't had the chance to make any any predictions yet and uh in true Moffat fashion, I want to do something raw and new <laughs> as we move forward really okay <laughs> those are his words oh, you need to read up james <laughs> but uh, no uh, n- no, only in that I, I want to make my first prediction before any of you steal it from me and and <laughs> <laughs> and and but it is a little um tangential to some of the kind of predictions that you've made in the past. So I want to actually make a prediction about Big Finish uh, as, re- as relates to uh, the TV series. And, and it's this. Now that Audio Go is no longer a functioning <laughs> business, my prediction is that sometime during this next year, Big Finish will announce that they have negotiated the rights to produce dramas featuring new doctors.
2: Now... You said you didn't want to have your predictions nicked. Well, you just nicked one of mine. Um, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't exactly like that, and it was a kind of reserve prediction anyway. But uh, but Random House have picked up the, uh, the the rights from Audio Go already. That's 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 <sighs> going that's going ahead. However, so,
4: so am I wrong already?
2: Not not really, not really. All they've done is picked up what Audio Go had already got planned, um, but what my prediction was and again this is very very similar to yours is that big finish will end up you know the the, the license will be relaxed so that they can start including modern who within their dramas or references to it at
4: least. Stephen Moffat has even made statements about how he left gaps in the characters stories so that big finish would have plenty of room to to house new doctor stories and and I just feel like with some of the transition that's happening now in that in that business, the end with the high profile that they've enjoyed in the past, uh, you know, since the anniversary, uh, I think this may be the year. They, they may not get to the point of producing them, but b- were we at least hear that they are? He going told to.
3: Matt Smith, we we saw him at the yeah. at the Excel. Well, you can go off and do the audios now.
2: You know, you'll you'll still you could still do that. I, I think I remember. him. No, I don't know whether or not it was Moffat just not having a clue about the licensing conditions, but I, I like the fact that. He seems open to the idea. exactly. Now, I I remember, I mean, you you look at what um, Russell T. Davis has said relatively recently, and this is something that I have read up on, Michelle, (laughs) um, where where he was talking about how the show came back in Doctor Who magazine, and he deliberately didn't tell Mel Young that Big Finish existed because he knew Mel Young would absolutely can Big Finish straight away. And, uh, you know, so there, there was at least some very, very clear demarcation uh, Taken place in the early part of Doctor Who, whereas the current executive producer is starting to talk about, you know, we'll just go off and do some 11th Doctor audios. Uh,
4: you know, I'll even further say I'm not talking about audio books where, where they're just narrating. Yeah, They've yeah. already done that. They've done that for Audio Go. I'm talking about drama uh, where there are multiple characters in character, you know, creating a story. So mm, we'll see.
2: Hmm. I'm wondering who, who would do that, who would be the most likely. I suppose it would be Tennant, wouldn't it?
4: I think Tennant or Smith. Smith. Mm. And and I've heard actually it may have been one of our foreign members comment that wouldn't it be cool to see war doctor stories from 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 the time of war with John Hurt <laughs> yeah. oh and, and fill in some of those I Ooh.
2: can't see that happening at all I'd love it but I I can't see no, it I, happening yeah. I really can't and
4: I agree that I agree that's most unlikely but I kind of like it
2: one thing I will mention the the destiny of the doctor range this year which was basically a story it was a Companion Chronicle almost or dramatic reading uh, from every era of the show all featured a cameo from the 11th Doctor now what that turned out to be was whoever happened to be narrating it was just reading 11th Doctor's lines but Simon Gurrier uh, last last year now yes it was last year said that the original intention was to get Smith in to do those lines so if, if at least that you know the plans have been laid there you never know but, uh, but since that was your first prediction ever on, on the DWP, we'll move over to Stephen for his first prediction ever. All right. My first prediction is I think
3: we're going to see a second companion in the TARDIS, and it's going to be a
2: dude. <sighs> that <Quite laughs> one off my list as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that would be a good um, thing? I, I do, happens? I do. I think I like
3: a crowded TARDIS, personally. Obviously, I would like to see capaldi and and coleman get to uh build some chemistry for a little while but i think it i think it'd be interesting um to see a see them just pick up a random male companion somewhere and see how that turns out
4: do you think he'll be human or will this be i think he'll be human
3: i i think
1: he'll be a cabbage <laughs> i think it will finally get the tom baker cabbage we've had tom baker in the 50th i think we'll finally get the cabbage
2: You've been championing vegetables for Companions for almost as long as Tom Baker, haven't you? Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. And we almost got one, I think, in Clara. Now, I, I, I actually Ooh. agree. This was on my list as well, Stephen. Right, So I've now got to come up with another <laughs> one. Fantastic. Sorry. So Michelle's nicked one, you've nicked one. But the reason I think it will happen is because Clara is simply no longer interesting ever since she lost this impossible girl tag, then she's very, very mundane and boring. And and certainly within time of the Doctor, there was nothing special or memorable that she did or said. And when Karen Gillan came in at the very end, all it served was to show up how ordinary Clara was, because my my heart jumped up in the air. I mean, there was absolutely no plot reason whatsoever, really, for, for Amy to reappear at that point. No one else could see her, but... It still kind of worked. Matt smith got his companion back and it didn't do Clara any favours at all. And in my mind, I thought, right, that can't continue. They really need to have someone a bit more interesting or at least to make Clara a bit more interesting. So I also think another companion will turn up at some point.
1: Has there not already been talk about um, the... The guy who's at the school at the beginning of the 50th who says um, that uh, your doctor's called or something, um, that's, that it
3: may be him. There was a rumor about that. I'm not sure. And he was and he was really feeling the fire on Twitter. So I'm not sure how true that is. James, we'll have to save it for another podcast, but I couldn't disagree with you more. Oh, I'm pleased. <laughs> yeah. And also, I think, you know, Amy showing up. There's been a precedent set for the past companions in, in a regeneration and her being the only, you know, the only other past companion besides Rory, um, it made sense for her to, for her to be there. But but yeah, you know, I mean, I I think personally, I think it's the the idea of bringing in a love interest for Clara.
2: Oh God, I really really hope not. We've been there. How many times have we been there? I mean, I think I go for Leeson's vegetable <laughs> more than that.
1: You leave my vegetable alone. But <laughs> you
2: know, I I think I think with with Capaldi, there's going to be
3: a um, a lack of the romantic aspect with him and him and Clara. I mean, I, I'm not exactly sure why but um i think that, that you know that probably won't continue and um it's something that's that's a part of the show
2: now you know is that there's some sort of romance there and oh, i i do you know what the writers are good enough they're good enough to write a compelling sci-fi interesting piece of television without having to throw in a love interest they th- these are really not poor writers because... i agree but i don't but i
3: i i agree but i that it doesn't have to be there. Like, I feel like, it, it, you know, a lot of times it's unnecessary, but I don't think it's unnecessary for most of the rest of the television view, television viewing audience
2: yeah, well, well we'll see I mean I, I think they need something to hook them into and, and human drama and relationships is certainly something people use frequently because clearly most people who watch television have one <laughs> <laughs> of, of some of some description uh, at, at least but we'll, we'll see I, I also think we're going to end up seeing the um, the sexual tension between a doctor and a companion. Ease up, or at least I have to say I hope it's going to ease up, or else it's going to make quite awkward viewing. I think for me at least. Anyway, who's next, Leeson? It'll be me, and it's oh. very
1: specific, uh, and I can already feel myself uh, um, uh, shooting myself in the foot here. But um, I, I believe that the uh, the first episode, from what I've uh, from what I've seen garnered on the internet, uh, is in Victorian London. So I'm going to say. We're going to see the return of the frock coat. Is that it? That's it, but specifically, (laughs) specifically, it's going to be a Davenport charcoal black velvet (laughs) frock coat. Well, that is very specific. Mm, mm, Yeah. Uh, And also, because this is a two-pronged prediction, we're also going to see the return of a hat.
4: I need to pin you down on this, though, Lisa. You mean as in the doctor will be wearing these items? Not just, not, this, not just that some character in Victorian England is going to have no, a frock No, uh, no. Uh, well, when,
1: when, uh, when we were going through the predictions that I made last year, you gave me a very sound piece of advice uh, that uh, I should be more vague. Uh, <laughs> <and> <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there, there will definitely be a, a frock coat. We'll see the return of the frock <laughs> coat uh, and a hat. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, think, I think what we'll get is, is, a, is a frock coat, um, possibly charcoal grey uh, or black. And uh, it'd be a soft gambler hat, I think, is is the one they would go for. Very similar
2: to what Pertwee wore to start with. Basically, give him John Pertwee's <laughs> <laughs> initial costume. I think Capaldi would carry that off brilliantly. Yeah,
1: no, th- this is what I'm, I'm envisioning. That that sort of uh, dashing. I think we'll, we'll have a dashing doctor.
3: I'm not commenting on
2: costumes. I say it too much. <laughs> well, you... you- You've got to bear in mind, right, that Stephen is basically synonymous with Matt Smith's costume. Are you going to stick with the 11th Doctor costume, Stephen, or depending on what Capaldi wears, might you regenerate also? That's a good question.
3: I have not decided yet. So I might might, uh, try a Capaldi costume if I like it.
1: You want to get in there, get that frock coat quick, because uh, as soon as he starts wearing it, they'll go up in price. So
2: get one now. (laughs) I remember that when um, Matt Smith wore, was it a Paul Smith yeah. shirt, I think, in the 11th yeah, hour? Yeah. And, you know, a shirt that you could have got for 30 quid uh, prior to that airing suddenly cost about £85. Pounds. And then by the next series, he was wearing a different shirt. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but They even released a replica, didn't they? They
2: did. Which they re-released it. And, yeah. And it
3: was not as good. Well, that's the problem with the costumes in general is that they they plan the costumes out so far in advance that by the time we actually see it on the actor, it's been on sale and sold out. I have a feeling that the same is going to happen with with Peter Capaldi's costume, if if what I know about it is
2: correct. Oh, there we are. You see a bit of intrigue there, listeners. Okay, well it's down to me now, isn't it? It's my first prediction, which is going to be tricky because you two have nicked <laughs> both of the <laughs> ones that I had before. But uh, there, there was another one knocking around in the back of my mind, and. I suppose this is a bit of a gamble, and it's going into the um, the fiction of the show a little bit more as well. But I'm going to stick my neck out and say we are going to see an episode set on Gallifrey this year. Ooh. And uh, we, we all know that Gallifrey going to come back, and it's just a matter of when. I think it, it's been referred to too many times. We now know the Doctor didn't commit genocide; he didn't kill all the Time Lords after all. So how long is Moffat going to leave it before he starts writing a story that's either focused all around Gallifrey or set exclusively on it? My guess it will be at some point this year, possibly at Christmas.
4: I hope you're right. I actually wondered with Time of the Doctor whether that was all we were going to get from Gallifrey for a, for a while. You know, Was that it and then we move on and kind of ignore Gallifrey? Because he can't speak his name to encourage them to come through, so maybe <sighs> there'll be another solution, but... But I wonder. I hope you're right. I'd like to see that.
2: Well, you never know. Riversong may turn up and happen to say it and bring them <laughs> bring them through yeah. anyway, because uh, his name isn't a complete secret. But we, we've been seeing glimpses of Galafrey uh, for, for years now, and I I do kind of like that. I think it was either the sound of drums or Last of the Time Lords. We first saw this orange sky with a huge kind of snow globe that you know the capital was inside, and I, I thought that was. Amazing at the time. I think we saw the Mardis. The Mar- Mardis? What's that? A mixture between the Master <laughs> and the TARDIS. The Master looking into the uh, the untempered schism when he got those knocks going on. And that was intriguing enough. And since then, we keep on getting little bits and pieces. You know, the the battle scenes and sequences in Day of the Doctor, I think, were fantastic. They were intriguing again. Um, But I, I think we now need to see the other side of Gallifrey. We now need to see the internal workings of it a little bit. So... I, I think they will come up with something uh, as opposed to just a dark room uh which is what they had in the end of time if you remember with just a whole load of blankets hanging around the the edges of the sets and i think we'll see something a little bit more substantial than that i think it would be really really interesting i'm not sure we're going to get back to
3: gallifrey that soon but i think it would be mm, yeah. i think it would be really uh interesting to, to see that happen to see a sort of you know, sort of in the same way as the End of Time did it, where there's something going on on Gallifrey and there's something going on, you know, where the Doctor is and the two of them trying to, trying to work together to work something out. But, of course, it doesn't, you know. I think that would be kind of cool to see.
1: I don't, I don't, I don't know about seeing all the inner workings of
2: Gallifrey. Oh,
1: I don't know whether that ever really worked. Uh, they always come off as being a bit dull,
2: Oh, I know what you mean. I, yeah. I don't mean all of the internal politics and, and so on that we saw in Ark of Infinity and Invasion of Time and stuff like that. But I think we'll see Time Lord Society as it is now in the 21st century. So, you know, we, we saw a little bit of that in Day Anyway. We saw, you know, children, the whole, the whole premise of this entire story was the fact that there were X number of children. On Gallifrey, and and the the glimpses that we saw, they seemed like they were living in in families and so on. So that kind of society, I think, will possibly be examined. It won't be this the stiff political intrigue that some of the previous Gallifrey Gallifreyan stories uh, were were like. Hmm. We'll see. We'll see. Anyway, Michelle, number two, or prediction number two from you, please.
4: I predict that Peter Capaldi's take on the doctor, portrayal of the doctor, will be a huge hit with fans of all ages and genders.
2: <laughs> I think that is the most wildly optimistic prediction That's I've ever heard. Funny. Now
4: no, no, I'm not I'm not saying every single person. Obviously there's always going to be outliers, but I think generally speaking, and I'll let you guys be the judge next year, I, I think the, the majority of fandom, irregardless of, of you know what category they fall into will we'll really like Peter Capaldi's...
3: So do you think he'll be more successful than Matt Smith was?
4: I think it depends on the writing and the direction of the show.
2: Now, hang on. Isn't that a bit of a contradiction then?
4: Well, at, well okay. <laughs> L- well, let me see. And I do want to make a distinction. I think people will love his performance portrayal, but that doesn't mean people will necessarily love the direction of the show or the stories themselves or the story arcs. I- I'm not predicting that. And-, and I think there were a lot of people who felt that way about matt smith i'd put myself in that Mm. category i enjoyed his performance as the doctor uh i struggled a little bit with the direction of the show and i'm making this prediction specifically because i know i've heard out there people who are concerned that this older doctor isn't going to appeal to to a broad fan base or the entire fan base i think that i think that i think they're wrong i guess is the easiest way i I
2: am definitely one of those individuals I, I think, and I've always said this. I think you're wrong. <laughs> well, we'll wait and see, <laughs> won't we? But uh, I, I, th- I think Capaldi's casting is novel, inventive, and as far as I'm concerned, it's fantastic. But I think it will have a limited appeal to people who aren't into the show as much as we are. I think there will be a novelty value, and I think it will wear off. And I think people will... I mean, just listening to Ian's, Ian's son, his, Alex's wonderful review of Day of the Doctor, he looked at John Hurt, and you know, he was a bit old. And this is out of an eight-year-old's mouth who's not been set up or prompted by Ian in any way, shape, or form. And I think that is a typical reaction. And, uh, yeah, but
4: my ten- my 10-year-old is ecstatic. And And you know what? Actually, James, I'm thrilled to hear you predict that because... Based on your track record,
2: <laughs> <laughs> but we, we we shall wait and see. And I, I it's just that I hope I hope I'm wrong anyway. and Ultimately, if I like Capaldi, I'm not really that bothered about anybody else anyway.
1: See, mm. I, I think what we'll get is is the kids will embrace it as children do, change, uh, and they will think it's, it's as wonderful as it ever was. And it'll be us that are grumbling uh, and going, "Oh, well, I, I, I'm not really sure now." We've, now we've got it. I don't know about the new direction. I don't like the new titles. And what have they done with the music? I, I think we'll be it'll, it'll be the die-hard fans that will be grumbling, uh, and the kids will just take it in their
2: stride. Is that one of your predictions that die-hard fans will grumble about Doctor <laughs> Who? Because I want because I want that one. No, not not die-hard fans. Just just fans. I'm keeping it vague. <laughs>
1: keeping
3: it Keep pe- vague. people pe- people will people
2: will moan. Oh well, yes. Yes. Okay, Stephen. What's what's your second prediction? I'm gonna. It,
3: it's sort of a almost a piggyback off of your prediction, but I think that we we will see the return of the master.
1: Ooh. Oh,
2: wasn't that one of Leeson's last year or the year before or something? It's going to be one this year as well. <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh,
3: it was it was one of his unofficial unofficial predictions, but he, he said it. He uh, and it was yes. that.
2: Oh, played by Sherlock.
3: Holmes yes, played by someone, Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch, and i i don't um, <laughs> I don't think we'll ever see Benedict Cumberbatch in Doctor Who. I think I think now that we know that Gallifrey survived, um, and we know that the Master went back to Gallifrey with his special electricity powers and Timothy Dalton, there is a, a definite chance that the Master is around and kicking somewhere. So I think that uh, I think that we'll see the return of the Master.
4: Do we know that he went back to Gallifrey? You may have picked up on something I missed.
2: End of time, I think so. Yeah. yeah.
4: Well, I mean he's he he's there and then he's not there. I mean, but there's a definite scene break and I I was never clear.
3: They were coming through the portal and then they he pushed him back he, he pushed Raslan back through the portal, so I it, to me it seemed as if they were going back to where they came from.
4: He could also have just fled the room while the doctor was <laughs> kind kind of unconscious. I mean, I think I think Honestly that makes some sense and I and I like that idea. I just think it was <laughs> left vague, as Lisa. Would I say. think the
2: master will be back, irrespective of whether he's on Gallifrey or whether he's somewhere mm. else, whether he left the room where no one was looking, <laughs> or um, you know, w- whatever. I think he will be back. Do you want John Sim to be back? Soon? Um, I-,
3: I would like to see at least John Sim regenerate.
2: Okay. He's he said that he would love to come back at an, and take another shot at it. Uh, he's also got on record to say that he wishes he's never done Doctor Who and he can't stand any of the fans. He said he can't go shopping <laughs> in the same way that he used to since he appeared on the show. I mean, I would like to see John Sim come back. I mean, he's an amazing
3: actor, and my, my feelings on the end of time are on record. I, I think that the Master got, you know, really messed up in, in, in those two episodes, so um, I'd like to see him get a get a, a proper crack at playing the Master.
4: Here, okay. hear.
2: Well, we shall see. I'd, I'd certainly like to see the character back, without a doubt, but John Sim's iteration, which I think essentially was RTD's idea, not so much.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there, James. Was never a big fan. I, I want. I never wanted him to change from Derek Jacobi. I can't watch that. I can't watch that episode because I. Mm, such a waste.
2: No. I. I'd love to have seen Derek Jacobi as well. But then again, I'd still love Jeffrey Beavers to come back too. Yeah. So, uh, but I think I'm in a minority there, really.
1: No. No. Well. Well. I'll, I'll be with. I'll, I'm there with you. Yeah. Well. Uh, well. As. As my master one has been has been stolen. I, I, and I don't think that's going to happen now. Uh, well, my my backup uh, is, and I'm now convinced that this is this is true. River Song will be back. We're being thrown a red herring with all the umming and ahhing about whether the story's tied up, because she she'll be back, and and the stick will be she's no longer the one in control because she's not she's aware of all the Doctor's regenerations, but not. But not this one because it was never meant to be. Mm. So the doctor will. So this incarnation of the doctor will be, will be the one with all the answers, and uh, and she will be the one that uh, that doesn't know what's going on. So I think that that will be the stick, even if it's just one episode. I don't think it will be uh, a huge plot point for the for the series. But I think we'll have we'll have an episode where uh, where they're reunited and she's not not the one with all the answers. That's
3: a really good idea, Lisa. I like that. I think she'll be back as well. I think you're probably right. I think it's all a red herring. Um, I don't, you know, uh, but I think that that's a. I think that would be a, a great way for them to play it.
2: I'm, I'm, I'm convinced she'll be back as well, and I'm not, I, I'm not unconvinced that we haven't already seen her because, essentially, Tasha Lamb was was mm-hmm. River Song, wasn't she?
4: I think she was a poor, poor attempt at a River Song like character.
2: Mm. I don't know. She can fly the Tardis, can't she? So, uh, and not only that, what's Lem backwards, Mel? So, you know, <laughs> males.
1: Oh, it all makes sense now.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we've had a really good email, actually, from a chap called Fred, who has come up with uh, a, about a 400-word essay as to why Tasha Lem is Riversong. And it's something that I want to share with all of you later and we'll discuss on a future podcast. But um, I, I thought... It, it felt to me as though Alex Kingston wasn't available, so they decided to give it to, to, to somebody else instead, and just dressed them up as Latoxals in, uh, in the Aztecs. <laughs> but, I think uh, there was
3: a little bit of that, and uh, then I think and then I think Moth was like, "Well, okay, so it's not River Song, so I guess we can turn this person into a, a Dalek as well," and that's just, how it got re- how it got rewritten.
2: Yeah, well, I'd, I'd like to see Alex Kingston back. And in all honesty, there's no reason why she can't be. It doesn't have to take, uh, you know, huge amounts of creativity from the writer's point of view. I mean, you, you could meet River Song at a different point in her timeline. You know, that's possible. And who's to say she's even dead anyway uh, in, in Cal? You know, why couldn't she be restored? She's already featured in, what was it? What was the last of the Doctor thing? It was Name of the Doctor, wasn't it? Mm. Where that, and that was set after Silence of the Library anyway, so...
1: Or maybe she's forever destined to, to pop up as that kind of Obi Wan Kenobi ghost and just just be there, whispering um, whispering advice in his ear. Yeah, you've left the gas on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> my my last one is a big finish prediction as well, and I think now that we've seen the Eighth Doctor regenerate into the War Doctor or the real Ninth Doctor or John Hurt's Doctor or whatever you want to call him, I think that opens up a whole new. Storyline for for big finish because they retain the right clearly to come up with brand new Eighth Doctor stories, and so there's no reason why they can't they can't come up with the stories that led the Eighth Doctor to that spaceship we saw in Night of the Doctor, and I think possibly this year whether or not we'll actually be able to listen to the plays they won't come out this year I don't think, but we'll hear some kind of announcement there's, there'll be I don't know like a um, a series. Of of stories that leads clearly into Night of the Doctor,
4: mm. and I'd argue that they've already started down that path. Certainly with some of the Dark Eyes series, I, th- well, even the things leading up to it, Lucy Miller and To the Death, they have put the Eighth Doctor in circumstances that would make him darker and uh, kind of would lead that way. In fact, it, it would have been leading very nicely into him having to do the things that the war doctor did. Uh, recently read a, an interview with Moffat in Doctor Who magazine from a, a month or so ago, and he was talking about his plans for, for the 50th. It sounds like he kind of disqualified Paul McGann in his mind from being the war doctor for Fairly quickly, he, he had a comment that Paul McGann's doctor was too much like the Tennant doctor and the Matt Smith doctor <laughs> that they they would they wouldn't play off each other and, and and part of the idea being young and and charming and and uh, appealing in that way and I, I'm not sure I buy into that particularly no. based on the arc that he was going through in uh, in Big Finish I think it would have been really interesting to see the Eighth Doctor get to the point. Where the only thing he could do that he felt he could do was to, to commit genocide, and and um, I, I love John Hurt's performance, but I there's still a part of me that'll always wish it had been Paul McGann,
2: yeah. I, I'm with you completely there. I, I think, um, what we've seen is Moffat top off a, a run of dark stories for the Eighth Doctor, but it doesn't mean that they lead directly into them. I think it now adds a little bit of credibility to the Big Finish companions because we've seen the Eighth Doctor talk about them on screen and therefore Big Finish are not going to be thinking, oh, you know, we're just going to leave it there. They'll think, Wonderful, another new series that we can we can write and sell to fans and let's face it, we'd all lap it up. And I think rather than have what we can assume is leading to Night of the Doctor, we can have something much more overt. Either- so are you saying and I just wanna clarify that
3: um there the possibility that Big Finish will actually be able to reference the time war.
2: Yeah, and and again that goes back all the way to Michelle's first prediction really. I, I think that there's going to be a blurring of the boundaries between classic and new who where it where it comes to Big Finish. And I think we've seen a start of that with Destiny of the Doctors. Three of us uh, on this show were at the Excel there this year. Everybody was talking big finish. Yeah. Tom Baker was, Moffitt was, everybody was talking Big Finish, and I don't think the production crew are going to see Big Finish as a detraction from the main show anymore. They're using it to promote the show even more, and if Big Finish can come that or become that marketing arm, then there's absolutely no reason why the two can't mix together
3: i mean i i agree i i think that i think that doctor who is um you know lots of franchises have their expanded universes um i think that uh i think that doctor who is the one franchise that the the main the main show and big finish can do that so easily you know um i mean because the show can be anything and it's about time travel it's about going anywhere and doing anything and the two don't ever have to contradict each other and the fact that Doctor Who doesn't have any real canon anyway, because it contradicts itself over and over again all the time. So uh, you know, hope that you're right, hope that they do they do lighten up, you know. Um and it would be nice to, to finally get the, the time war at least referenced in uh in, in Big Finish in Eighth Doctor audios.
2: I think it will become much more of a you know, a single universe or huniverse to use a horrible <laughs> word. You'll be able to picture the big finish plays happening in the real world, officially, so to speak.
1: It's interesting. Recently, a couple of weeks ago, I I met Paul McGann. He came to a local theatre and did a Q and A thing. It was only about 100 people. It was a nice, oh wow, uh, I- intimate uh, thing. He was. Um, they showed one of his films, "With Nell and I," and uh, he did a two hour Q and A. He was he was wonderful, and he spent loads of time chatting with everyone. But uh, talking specifically about Big Finish and uh, and the little Minnesota that he did uh he he actually said that he he could never envisage his doctor being the one that that was in the time war so when when it actually came about that uh, uh, and you know circumstances meant that john hurt had to be drafted in to be the time war doctor he said that he thought that worked really well and he was so so chuffed to be asked back to do the um, to do the minisode and it oh, was quite yeah. quite nice to hear him talk about i mean i mean incredible professional guy he was i mean he'd known for about seven months that uh, that he would do it, Moffat rang him up and said, if I wrote it, would you do it? And he said, yeah, yeah, work permitting. <laughs> uh, and um, they drove him up to, uh, to Cardiff, and about three in the morning they shot this. So th- they'd finished um, shooting the 50th anniversary, uh, anniversary special, uh, and then they had sort of a few hours tacked on, and he was, uh, he was um, taken to the studios uh, the dead of night, given the script, given the costume, and then it took about three hours to make. Uh, literally, he hadn't been sent the script beforehand. Uh, they were just winging it on the day, uh, and that just goes to show what a what a cracking actor he was. Uh, and he was so pleased that the big finish, Canon and the companions had been recognised. It was so nice to to see him talk about it because he's very very fond of the of the parts. And yeah. he'd always he al- he actually said he'd always um, assumed that his doctor didn't count because yeah. of something that was in. Uh, he gave he, yeah, this is a, as as conclusive proof that Rusty Davis uh, in Queer as Folk which was a a programme he did prior to doing Doctor Who there's a scene because there's a couple of guys that are into Doctor Who uh, and they're having a conversation about Doctor Who and uh, uh, they're Reeling off the doctors, and one of them says Paul McGann, and the other guy says, Oh, he doesn't count. And he said, Well, that's Rusty Davis. So I've always assumed that, that I didn't count. So it's nice to feel now that I do.
2: And, and, and do, you, do you remember shortly after night aired, there were online petitions let's get two series of Doctor Who running, we'll have the Paul McGann series and the main series, mm. you know. Despite the fact that clearly there's no way Doctor Who or, or um, the BBC are going to suddenly fund double the amount of episodes. But yeah. the, the, the desire and the appetite for more 8th Doctor was was clearly there. And I'm absolutely certain that Big Finish's servers were pushed to breaking point shortly after where people downloaded Paul McCann's stories. <laughs>
1: Uh, and also, point uh, he was very pleased that uh, because it was on the verge of being leaked, it was it was meant to come out on the day. That's right. on on the, on the Saturday, yeah. and um, because it had to come out a week earlier, was it, it was almost a fortnight earlier. It was it was quite a while. Uh, he said uh, he was very very pleased that it had it had a whole week to run on its own, uh, mm. and uh, he was he was really really charmed and and, uh, and pleased that it had done so well and that that it had had that little. Um, Sort of seven days uh, on its own to fly, and he kept looking at YouTube and looking at the, uh, the hits going up.
2: So, w- w- when does your interview with Paul McGain come out then, Leeson?
1: Well, do you know what? I, I did have a bit of a natter with him, and it, just, it, didn't, <laughs> it didn't occur to me because we weren't there for, for Doctor Who, we were there for With Nell and I. Yeah, and, and then I came away, and I, thought, I sort of thought I've missed an opportunity there. I did get a picture. I have a sort of uh,
3: unofficial prediction based on, you know, uh, part of what Lisa in that story that you just told about how they shot uh, Night of the Doctor, because uh, I I think that Moffat really, really loved doing that um, uh, and loved that he was able to keep it a surprise, even though it was about to leak. I I think there was even a quote from him saying that he's he wants to do more of that and more surprises and he doesn't even want to tell the BBC about it. So basically he yes. wants to shoot shoot more things like that gorilla style basically you know we've got a few hours and we've got a script let's get let's let's get some cameras rolling and i I think that with this huge gap that we have before us now waiting until the uh the autumn to see the next series of Doctor Who that we might get some um, some some mini episodes uh sprinkled throughout the year
2: no it, mm. it's certainly a possibility and it, I, I I know that the BBC were absolutely gobsmacked by the amount of downloads or the amount of views that. Uh, night of the doctor got but people always underestimate the popularity of doctor who no matter who's involved in it but anyway gents and michelle we've been talking we've been talking for far far too long here uh, about what might be and uh, what most certainly won't be um, and, and i think we've set ourselves up for a nice collective fall this time in 12 months time <laughs> the fall of the doctor the fall of the Doctor Who podcast. There you go. <laughs> We're not predicting that, listeners. Not just yet, anyway. <laughs> but uh, but we've got loads of exciting stuff coming up uh, over the next few episodes. We've uh, we've got Stephen Eldon coming back now. He he was uh, on the show last year, I can't remember now how long ago it was, two, three months or so ago, watching the seventh Doctor era for the very first time and recording his comments with me and Ian. Now, it transpired he hadn't seen a trial of a Time Lord season either, uh, so we've put Stephen through that as well, and we've recorded a few little sessions there as well, so that will be coming up very soon. Michelle, you've been chatting with Ian about Paul McGann.
4: Indeed, we'll be uh, looking through at least the first couple of seasons of Paul McGann.
2: So, lots of stuff coming up and a whole load of other stuff that we haven't thought of yet, too, I'm sure. But in the meantime, or at least for the next seven days, I think the only thing that's left to say is goodbye in unique and inventive ways. Goodbye.
4: That was neither unique (laughs) nor inventive.
2: (laughs) I predicted that would happen.
4: Farewell. Okay, the new.
3: Later, skater.
1: I chose to do that goodbye in my own accent.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. We'll speak to you soon, guys. Bye for now.
0: You've been listening to the Doctor Who podcast. Zero from six. Six predictions. Zero right. Um, hosted by Leeson, Stephen. Not, not one right. Not even one out of six. And Michelle and James. Um, you, you can check out more episodes of the show at the com. Hopefully, these guys had better luck. It'd be embarrassing if four people got their predictions wrong. Um, yeah, um, check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and um, drop by the Doctor podcast forums. Thanks for listening. Better luck next year. I mean, surely we would have got one right. I demand a recount.